0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye, here to chat with a much cooler person with a much better story. And today, we got a good one, guys. Kathleen Baker joins the podcast. Kathleen is an Olympic gold and silver medalist from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, a member of the U.S. Women's National Swim Team, and it's... It's one of my favorite interviews, definitely. Uh, I know I say that a lot, but I think to come back to my swimming roots, it's been a while. It was a good time to be had. We t- we chatted about quite a lot, um, obviously, with her upbringing in a smaller town of Winsome Salem, North Carolina, and kind of the very early on Olympic goals and aspirations that she had. Now, that kind of took a little bit of a speed bump when she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the very young age of 12. Now, After hearing this interview, you'll very quickly understand that that really didn't uh, deter Kathleen from her goals. I think she had the typical response that a 12-year-old would with that type of news, but it was very early that she was able to turn, uh, turn the page on that. Another interesting thing that we obviously had to talk about was the question mark looming the 2021 Olympic Games. From my understanding, yes, the Games are still to be had as I'm recording this here on March 16th. But there's still kind of that question mark as like anything is set in stone. So I'm praying that we do have these games. As I mentioned in the interview, it's like obviously so important for the world to see the Olympics and especially something that we missed during the uh, pandemic last year in 2020. But it's the only time that swimming becomes such a talked about sport and it only ever happens every four years. So a great interview. We also touch on... A very fun story with her breaking the world record back in the summer of 2018. You're not going to want to miss this one. So please enjoy the one and only Kathleen Baker. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye podcast, a true eye-opening experience all right guys kathleen baker is in the house she is a swimmer for the u.s women's national team olympic gold medalist and silver medalist from winston-salem north carolina she joins the normal guy lazy eye podcast kathleen thank you so much for coming on how are you
1: Good, thanks for having me. I'm glad that I'm on the West Coast and you're on the East Coast, so hello to everyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, like, so, I mean, before we get into everything and how you're preparing for trials and, and everything that's going on with you, I always like to start these interviews with some more around like where you grew up and everyone's story has a beginning, so let's start with yours. Like I said at the top, you were originally from Winston Salem, North Carolina, out here on the East Coast, and our dear friend Anna Wade was also from there. Um, what was life like in the Baker household growing up?
1: <laughs> I always like get this question because people are like, "Oh, like, is your life any different?" Because I'm an Olympic swimmer, and- right? Some ways so different and most ways the exactly the same. Like I have um, my mom, dad and sister and grew up with a family cat and now we have two other cats and it was so normal and so lucky that my mom uh, was a financial planner and my dad was like my uh, like lower school director growing up. So I always had my dad in my school, which was such a perk. I love that I was <laughs> able to, like, hang out in his office and people think it was cool and all of that. Um, but I just had an awesome time growing up in North Carolina I had great friends Wade, as you mentioned is one of my childhood friends and we've been friends since we were pretty much born which is sort of how Winston-Salem works I went to the same school pretty much my entire life starting at age four and so you have a lot of lifelong friends Mm -hmm. and a lot of memories and I'm fortunate that I have really awesome parents who saw that I am a hyperactive kid and got me in sports early and just like found my passion uh, not only in swimming but just being able to be fit and active and I just remember playing outside after school for like hours and hours and hours till it got dark outside and my mom used to just like ring a bell and I'd run from a neighbor's yard <laughs> back to my house for dinner and things like that so I have had such an awesome childhood and then as that transitioned into swimming uh obviously things got a little different as my parents were driving me around the state around the southeast going around right. the country and world um but I am fortunate that I have great parents who supported the dream I guess <laughs> yeah
0: exactly and like growing up in that small town kind of vibe Uh, you know you have the country club swim team you have the you know playing out till the till the till the street lights come on and whatnot Anna Wade has one question for you she asked what was your favorite memory from FCC in your time there swimming for that team
1: oh for sure this is my Forsyth country club crazy ducks Um, I swam on the crazy ducks from like age five to like I'm pretty sure I even swam a meet maybe my senior year of high school. At that point, I had like already been to world championships, won right. doubles, and I'm like literally just like swimming in a swim meet uh, for against like children, and right. I'm like, you know at my summer league pool like just whipping out sometimes. But my favorite memory by far was like we had ice cream Sunday parties after every single meet. And that was just like the best thing ever. And we pushed the coaches in. If we won, I of like some of my best memories. And that's where I learned to swim and got comfortable in the water and learned to go off the diving board, which was my biggest motivation for even learning how to swim. Um, So I feel like that is definitely my favorite. (laughs) <laughs> I
0: love that. I I also I swam at like a country club. We had a six lane pool, three and a half feet at one end, five feet at the other. Like we had to, we were we were the best at. I don't know if you've swam there, but the Janet Evans Complex out in Fullerton. <laughs> yeah. Like if you do short course there, the like when you dive in, it's like four feet deep. So like every team would complain about that, and like the us, we were like no problem. Like we do the five feet, like this is easy. Yeah. But I I loved. There's something about like country club and like summer league swimming. And whether it's like that small team feel, it's, there's something special about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love it. We had such a great group of people and just being able to just like swim year round and did Summer League at the same time. And for me, Summer League was just like such a non-pressure oriented space. I was literally there for the social, which like, is such a part of swimming to begin with. But even more so when I'm at a Summer League pool where my times don't count, I'm diving into like a shallow pool off the side of the edge, like right. starting block, like nothing like that. So I just love that aspect of it, where it was just like strictly there to just have fun and um, enjoy being a kid and loving swimming.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you, you did touch about it a little bit. Uh, when you decided to start training with Swim Mac, which is about an hour long drive from Winston-Salem practice every single day, what was that transition like for you going from that small country club type team to this is getting a little bit more serious.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a decision I really wanted, which is awesome. I feel like so often in the sport, when there's an elite athlete, you have a lot of crazy parents and I'm so fortunate that my parents, I think are not crazy. They like (laughs) let me push, push like the limits of what I wanted to do. And I like remember meeting with my mom and dad and being like, I need to train on a different team. Like I need to be at a bigger team, better environment, blah, blah, blah. And like, as a 14 year old making that decision to like be like this is the reason why I want it um it made it so easy for my parents to make the sacrifice of driving me to Charlotte which can be up to I remember being in the car like three hours sometimes with traffic right Leaving school early, getting home at 10 p.m., like you name it. But um, I love the transition because I went from training on a really small team, which I loved and had such great friends, and um, not great pools. Winston Salem is does not have enough pools. Is something that I wish could change as right. I go back over the holidays. <laughs> need a place to play <laughs> But I wanted to train in 50 meter pools and we don't have one in Winston Salem. And even at 14, I was going to Olympic trials that year. And I wanted to be able to train in in an Olympic sized pool because that's what Olympic trials is. Right. Um and not too much to ask. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So transitioning (laughs) there, I just remember being like around a bunch of kids my age training, which had like never happened to me. I was remember being 12 friends with 18 year olds, like things like that, which are some of my like lifelong friends. But at the same time you craved that like peer group, I guess. And I made mm. so many friends at Swimmax so quickly because we were all these like 14 to 16 year olds who were all the like going for something and wanting to go to Olympic trials and things like that. Um, And I like had such a great group there. And especially as I transitioned out of being at Forsyth Country Day, where I went to school to taking online classes, I lost a lot of that social um, that you would get at school because I moved to Charlotte to train after we we needed for a while, we got an apartment (laughs) and I trained, um, trained in Charlotte all the time, still went home on the weekends but um I just remember being like this is so awesome that I get to have this like peer group who are so many people like me who have to go to practice can't go to a football game can't have a sleepover on Friday night things like that because I'm always at practice regardless of if they are like not as good as me we sort of still had the same practice schedule for a, a while which was really cool um and even in Charlotte I transitioned out of training with like a club team into training with professionals but I still had all those friends and we hung out all the time and and that was like such a cool thing for me and such worth, like so worth it for me right. to, to like, when I sacrifice so much for a sport, it's nice to still have to like a social life.
0: I, I I agree so much. Like, and I mean, I never got anywhere near your level, but I do kind of look back now being 23. And at the time, to your point earlier, like we gave up the football games, we gave up the yeah. sleepovers because we had Saturday practice. We gave up like li- literally anything on a Friday night, not happening, just yeah. not happening. And like during that i was kind of like ah that like that kind of sucks but you're so right in the fact that like you're surrounded by people that are doing the same sort of insanity that you're doing that it almost is like addictive yeah like you know what i mean like if we're all in this then we all want to do it then let's let's just freaking do it it.
1: like it's so nice when people just get it that's like what i always say it's so nice to have friends who understand what i'm going through um and because they either have or are still going through it um and that was just really cool for me I mean I just had like the best group of friends we all did everything together spent every weekend like going on the lake hanging right. out like hanging right. in the parking lot before practice like things that like just, breakfast like, after yeah normal teenagers yeah. do like yeah. just like in a swimming environment
0: yeah exactly exactly so uh something that you've been very open about uh was your diagnosis with Crohn's disease at age 13 uh you know as you're breaking national age group records you're really at the at the top of your age group and and no one's touching you this kind of comes down what was going through your head in terms of where do I go from here
1: yeah, I mean, I started having a lot of symptoms at 12, and that was when I was awesome. I feel like I was just like, favorite year in my life was probably almost my 12-year-old year because mm-hmm. I just, one, I didn't have Crohn's disease. Right.
0: So,
1: um, I was just like rocking it every meet, best times, breaking state, national records. Like, it was just so fun. And I just remember like starting to have some weird symptoms. Um, and then I remember going on a spring break vacation with my parents And it was at an all inclusive place. And Mm. I ate like, I don't even know, like I would have like three breakfasts, like all of this. And I came back like six pounds lighter and people were like what my parents were like what is happening so I was going to the doctor they told me I had mono which is like odd for a 13 year old who just turned 13 to have mono I'm like like it wasn't now your parents
0: have a different yeah. set of questions for you
1: yeah I know I was like maybe I drank someone's water bottle like right, I don't know right. um, but turns out I had like a false positive mono because my immune system was so messed up and I had Crohn's disease and then I started having like Every gastrointestinal symptom you could literally imagine, like Mm. I was having, and it progressed very severely. And I was already a pretty fit 12, 13 year old, worked out all the time, had great muscles, whatever. And then I looked emaciated. And I lost like 10% of my body weight in a month. And when you're like barely a hundred pounds, like that that doesn't look that good. And people are like, Oh, is everything okay? Um, and I fast forward, like my symptoms started sort of in February and I was diagnosed by May, which is pretty quick in the scheme of people being diagnosed with Crohn's one, because my symptoms were pretty severe two because I have an awesome mom who took me to the doctor and was like, something's wrong with my kid. (laughs) Um, and then three, just like I was swimming so bad, like and that so was
0: not okay for you.
1: <laughs> I like, I just like, couldn't even go through a practice. I was like yeah. exhausted. I couldn't make it. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And so I credit some of that to being like a quicker diagnosis because before my even symptoms got bad, I started swimming terrible and everyone was like, what has happened? Like, mm-hmm. I was like killing myself in practice and couldn't even go times. I went like a month before and at 12 and 13, that like, just doesn't even make sense in your head. Right. Especially being like an energizer bunny. Um, um, but when I got a diagnosis, I was like, honestly devastated. It was like one of my lowest moments of my life. I just remember feeling like, um, my every dream I wanted was like never going to happen and I had no control over it. Yeah. Um, which is like pretty depressing for a 13 year old who literally eats, breathes, and swims. Like I love swimming more than anything, still do, especially then. And I just remember being like, I think I like didn't go to practice for days and obviously, um, my coach knew it was up and my mom and dad were so awesome. And my sister and I just remember being like so sad um, that I wasn't going to be able to like do what I loved. Essentially. I thought like everything was going to be over. And I remember Googling Crohn's disease Uh, luckily well before this, I had heard through the grapevine of my doctors that this is like what they're testing for and like things like that. Like I knew what was going on. I knew this could be a possibility, but I definitely live in denial, which works great for so many things. Probably not great for a chronic disease, right. um, but I like knew that this was a possibility, got my endoscopy, colonoscopy. And for some reason, like the disconnect of denial was there because they were like, Kathleen has ulcers from her esophagus all the way through her entire stomach, uh, small intestine, large intestine, colon, everywhere I had ulcers and inflammation. And they were like, but we don't know if it is this or that. Mm. And I was in my head, well, they'll just go away. I do not know why that was right. not of a red flag in my third-year-old <laughs> mind that I had ulcers everywhere. Then I waited for the biopsies to come back that they took of my small intestines and ulcers and things like that. And they were like, Oh, she has Crohn's disease. And I was like, Oh my God. And for some reason I like look back and I'm like, why did I not see this coming? Like why yeah. was I really shocked with that diagnosis weeks after when I had been doing tests for so long, but I'm so grateful that I had an awesome age group swim coach who literally was like, We do not need to change your goals. Like we might need to change the path to get there. But like, I believe in you. You can still accomplish everything you set your mind to. I'm so proud of you, like whatever. And I feel like that is so awesome to hear at such a young age when I idolize my coach, he was so important to me. And um, I've just been able to sort of have that and surround myself with people who sort of like tell me the same thing. My doctors are like that. It's not just like Kathleen, a 13 year old with Crohn's. It became like Kathleen, the 13 year old who wants to be able to like go through school without getting sick or go to a sleepover without fretting over being ill or go to college for swimming. And I feel so fortunate that I had such amazing doctors that saw so much past just like an age and a diagnosis and what my goals were.
0: Definitely. And like with something like that i can't even imagine what that was like going through but i think the support group that you had it seems like was definitely kind of the way to carry yourself through this but what was the like turning page for you personally when it was like it can't be kathleen the swimmer with crohn's disease it has to be kathleen's gonna you know kick the crap out of this thing and still strive for her goals
1: I think like, honestly, pretty quickly after my meltdown of diagnosis, I sort of have been in that mindset since then. I will definitely not lie and say that there's been plenty of moments that I have been really sick since then and been like, oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening to me again. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe I'm so sick. Like I have meats coming up. I'm missing training, like- I like every year, like even this year, I had a colonoscopy and endoscopy and had a bunch of things that were wrong that I have hopefully got under control. But like so many people don't see that of it. They just see like, oh, a poor performance here, poor performance there. She's great here. And little do people know, like two months ago, I was like violently ill. And Mm -hmm. um, that is something that I like to keep close to myself for a lot of reasons, but also like to share that like it is not as perfect as you see on social media or anything like that. And I feel like during the times where I'm feeling low, I just like reach out to the people who I know fill me up. And that is usually my parents, my boyfriend, my coach Mm -hmm. um, because they see me most on the day to day or my parents hear from me all the time. And they're the people who like, are like, Oh, you got this. Like I, you're totally fine. Like you just have to have faith. You just have to have faith that God has a plan. You're going to be fine. Like whatever. And I feel so fortunate that I have like ever most major meets I've been like well at, which is awesome. Like, and somehow it's worked out that way. Even if I was sick. I don't know, two months before or whatever it is, but there has definitely been some low points. And especially with Crohn's, uh, compromise, compromises my immune system. So I get sick a lot more often than most, and I get Mm. a lot sicker sometimes than most people. So not only do I have the whole GI issue and keeping that under control as an autoimmune disease, but also like I can't get the flu or else I'm out of the water for so long or could get pneumonia from it, things like that. So
0: yeah. I, I applaud you so much on that too. Like whether cause like when I was a swimmer and I'm I'm saying this to every swimmer out there now who's listening to this, there's no excuse. Like just because you got sick a month before your big meet, it didn't screw up your taper. You still yeah. got this, and like you are the perfect example of like yeah. getting sick right before a meet shouldn't have any effect on your ment like on your it's obviously gonna you know kind of mess with your psyche and your mental state, but there's no excuse
1: and you can like definitely learn different ways to cope with it some people need more reassurance some people want to deal with it on their own and finding like what your outlet is even if it's not your sport just having an outlet is so important Uh, I am someone to preach that like your dreams or season is not over based on like if you're missing training like I miss chunks of training every year like weeks and weeks and weeks in a row and somehow managed to break an American record three months after I missed seven weeks in the water or a world record or whatever it is or win a medal and I'm just like you just got to believe in yourself trust the process and just like know that the world is not ending because you cannot do what you love um sometimes it feels that way
0: right right you're so right so I've read that and I've seen on a couple things that you're a very competitive person like (laughs) like might be one of the most competitive you used to write down every set you did in practice I also did that on training trips so that's that is not that abnormal but you also like set reminders in your phone every single day of goal times world record times and and so on and so forth is what I've heard is that still all true.
1: Oh yeah. I am like, <laughs> hands down, like probably, I could say like the most competitive person I know Yeah. Um, because I will compete with you on anything. Like I don't <laughs> care if you're better than me, like I will try to compete and I will try to probably cheat to beat you if I have to. Um, and so I am definitely competitive in swimming, which is so great for me to have right. someone put that because like growing up, I used to like shove my sister out of the way to ring the doorbell first on Halloween like that's where the competitive comes from. And so I love that swimming. I can just get into practice. I can race, I can compete. And I have so much joy doing that for me, like going to swim practice. I feel like I'm at a swim meet, like my times that I go and practice like reassure me give me goals whatever and they bring me so much joy and so I sort of like set those time goals and because I have such like a huge notebook of what I go and practice write down a lot of my main sets still now that Mm. I can be like well I held this on this that one time so I should be able to hold this on this if I do better then I'm like I that was lit I've done great today yeah Yeah. so um having that is like so healthy for me but I definitely will compete with anything I love especially anything athletic I like am not amazing on land but I can hold my own <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> no summer is good on land yeah, come on we know this
1: yeah. quarantine really pushed me to like learn learn a little bit more on that land activities but I love to like compete with anything I love to have fun doing it and it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl <laughs> I'm gonna compete with you um and I think that's really special. And it, help, it helps me be like a really great racer because I want it so bad. I want that for so much more than just winning. I just love, love, love what I do.
0: I love it. I love it. So, your coach, Dave Marsh, who's been your coach for a very long time now, has said you're one of the hardest working swimmers he's ever coached. Uh, and coming from the swimming world, I mean, this guy has coached Olympians, world champions, some of the best swimmers in the world. Like, How important is it to have that sort of relationship with your coach at this level to succeed where you're getting at right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, my coach has been my coach since around 14. I would say, like, um, he coached me 14 and 15 a little bit. And then at 16, he's been coaching me pretty much full time, Mm -hmm. minus the college season I was with my college coach. And I am so fortunate to have that. We have an awesome relationship. I idolize him. He is a huge mentor for me. Um, I think that that is so great and has been such a helpful person to navigate all the different levels of swimming he's seen me at. And he has so much experience. Um, And I find it such a compliment that he thinks I work hard because I do. And I (laughs) push myself to like the brink so often. And I love that. Like very rarely am I ever told like to pick it up. Um, And I am more told to slow down on something than pick it up and I love that about myself and um as we've grown together he knows me so well and he knows when to like pull me back because I'm pushing myself and I don't really know what that fine line is of like jumping over the edge of like I have worked so hard that I have like literally no energy left my Crohn's isn't doing well I'm like literally just like a dead human being mm-hmm. and he knows like on those days that like when he sees me walk in he always says like I can tell in your eyes when you walk in if um, Um, you're not gonna you have no energy essentially and so he makes that a combination and he knows that I'll never tell him um if I'm tired or doing bad um so he always says when Kathleen when I ask her how are you doing are you okay and she says anything under good or great then I know that it's not a good day and then I know that this is when we need to maybe just swim aerobic or maybe take a recovery day or something like that so it's been awesome I'm so fortunate Um, Especially just like having a great coach is Mm. awesome. And especially a coach that you want to like perform for, I think is really great for me. Um, He's definitely tough. I was talking to someone recently and was like, I've probably gotten in the nine years that he's coached me a total of maybe 10 great jobs from him in a practice setting
0: wow and like
1: that's crazy not that I don't get praise elsewhere and I know right. he's proud of me and whatever but because of that like he knows that like I know what great means and mm. I know like what I need to do to get there and I have left practice and been like I rocked that and then he's told someone like oh Kathleen sort of struggled today and I'm like,
0: yeah yeah yep yeah. Oh.
1: yeah I'm like there. Oh, oh great yeah and, like, um, I think that is cool too, because um, coaches have expectations for you and they have goals for you. And it's awesome when their goals can push you to be better. Um, and everyone needs something different. I hear him give great jobs out the wazoo to other teammates, but mm. like, I don't need that. Cause I like sort of know where I'm at and I don't need that self reassurance, but I know when I get it that I'm like, wow, I really did great today mm. or great this week. And um, I think that's really awesome because it allows me to have to push myself without getting that like i guess reassurance because it creates your own confidence, not relying on someone else to give you that confidence.
0: I agree so much i I can think of ten test sets or ten or more test sets that we would do, and you like we would touch the wall and be like like heck, yeah, like we would be like splashing the water and all that and our coach Todd, he would just sit there and be like, well, why didn't you go, you know, 51? Why didn't you go, you know, 50 point? And I was like, well, I mean, like, and then there you have no answer. You yeah, have because you have there's no excuse. He's no, like, like, that's what he thinks you're gonna do. You're gonna you gotta go freaking do it. So I it's I resonate with that so much.
1: Yeah, it makes you a better athlete and I think it makes you a better person. And it also I feel like helps you handle. I'm not even in a real workforce yet. I some professional swimmer, but I feel like mm. all the criticism and coaching I've gotten through the years is going to make being in a job environment where people are telling you like Hey, you didn't measure up a lot easier because like as an athlete and as you can like speak for yourself, like, um, it's like, you've heard that so many other times that it's much easier, um, as you transition out of sports.
0: Agreed. Agreed. A thousand percent as a person that's now not a professional swimmer or (laughs) never was now in the, in the quote unquote real world, I can agree to that. Um, So let's talk about your road to 2016 here for a second. I mean, obviously a big, a big part of your career. What was it like? Did you, did you sit down with your coach and say, this is like, this is the year we're going to go to the Olympics Because the reason why I ask is I feel like every Olympian has a different story to that. Whether like my friend, you know, Caitlin Sandino, it was more like, this is the goal, but we're not not changing anything. What was that conversation like for you to talk about the goal of getting to 2016?
1: Yeah. I mean, I made my first national team at 16. And um, this is a great example. I got sixth place in the tuner backstroke, which makes the national team. It gets you pretty much nothing, though. Like, I, i'm just sixth like that i'm on the national team but i don't really get anything from it um you don't get a salary obviously i'm also like uh 16 but still if i wasn't you don't get a salary things like that and i remember telling my coach i'm like i think i just made the national team and he was like well like what does that get you (laughs)
0: yeah like (laughs) woohoo (laughs)
1: Oh, and so I think that like going from that, I just sort of like hit all the stepping stones um, from 16 to 19, which is when I made my first uh, Olympic team because the following summer at 17, I got second in the 200 backstroke and went to the Pan Pacific Games. And then at the Pan Pacific Games, I qualified for Worlds in the following year at 18 years old. And so I was just sort of on this trajectory to make the team, essentially. Um, I swim very competitive events. Backstroke in the U.S. is so tight and so competitive. And so I feel like we um, changed things, but it wasn't just for like the Olympic goal. It was more of like what are you going to do to get better this year? And hopefully as you continue to get better, more mature, things like that, like that's going to put you on the Olympic team because at 17 and 18, I was getting top two in the U S in my events, which typically make the Olympic team in the United States and individual events. And I added weightlifting my senior year of high school, um, which a lot of people start that much earlier than me, but I Mm -hmm. had Consistently drop time, like up to that point. And I was like, my coach was like, we don't need to mess anything. Like, it's always great to save tools in the toolbox sort right. of. Right. Uh, and I remember starting to hit like, I don't even say plateau, because it wasn't, but I started to not, like, just drop these chunks of time, or was, like, hovering around the same time, two years, or two seasons in a row, and my main events, which I was, like, not thrilled about, <laughs> and so I'm, like, I need to do something different, I need to fix something, and some of that was just, like, me actually getting strength, like, I remember going from, like, being able to do, like, pretty much like no pull-ups, like strict pull-ups to now, like I think my max is like 17 strict pull-ups. Um, <laughs> so like, I don't think this is like new this year too. Like I was yeah. about 17 four years ago. I could right. probably do like 10 or seven or something right. like that, but it's all about like that growth and strength. Um, and I think that plays a huge role in my swimming um, because I swim so much from like the power that I create and I know how to trans um, translate the power in a weight room into, um, swimming and then at the same time i also fixed a lot of huge technical mistakes that i was making and um leading into trials i was doing like an excessive amount of extra uh turns uh practice i would do them at the beginning i would stay after i feel like i was doing like tens and tens of extra turns filming them because that was something i was getting behind on i was like flipping out the wall first and somehow not coming out even no anywhere near first yeah um I think that was sort of a lot of it. And then I went to college on the Olympic year and I did not swim well. Uh, I swam sort of okay. And I didn't swim well, not because of my college, um, but because I was like having a lot of Crohn's symptoms and it wasn't really doing well around NCAAs. And I also gained like 10 pounds and that's not ideal. Like if you are like trying to be an Olympic athlete, like 10 pounds is sort of a lot. And um <laughs> I think a lot of that was just one learning like a dining hall situation yeah. to being like, I can't have cupcakes every day, even though I trained really hard. Like I, I cannot eat a cupcake every day. Like that's that, just not, that's just that, not, the, you know? Yeah.
0: That was, that was, a, that was such a big realization for, for me too. Like, like no, no matter where you, where you at training wise, the college experience is going to take yeah its its toll on you. And like, you have to kind of prepare for that. And like the off season between my freshman and sophomore year was bad. Like I, I like we didn't, I swam for a division one mid-major school. So it wasn't nearly like the amount of off season training as you would at like a Cal or Stanford, but that screwed me up. Cause I would still be eating like I was in season and not training like I was in season. So you can do the math. It was, it was a, it was a big wake up call, but let's go to the, to the summer of 2016 at trials. Like you said, you were, you were placing top two in those, those, those events and the hundred back specifically. I still think though, there had to be some sort of nerves when it was this, this is not a dress rehearsal anymore. This is the big, this is the show. And if we get top two, we're going to, to be representing team USA. Where were the nerves at when you jumped into that pool at the hundred back finals at Olympic trials?
1: I like love to give this story because unless you are a swim nerd you probably don't know this um but leading into trials for one I like went home right after exams end of April and like started training with my club coach again lost the 10 pounds in like six weeks which was like pretty hard to do I felt like I was eating like a rabbit right (laughs) and got a different like went back to my normal weight routine things like that and I was swimming a lot better than I had been um got my Crohn's under control things like that but my coach will tell you that he was like I didn't think she was gonna make it to like two weeks before he was like all of a sudden things just like started to click again um and I remember being like in a meet in May and Olympic trials are in June and I just ate it like I swam so bad and I remember like sitting in the car with my mom crying um like a normal person that's why yeah. i say it's fine to cry in your car yeah um, and my mom being like it's okay honey like you can stop like you don't even have to do olympic trials because it's so stressful and i was so emotional about it but when she said i was like why would you ever say that like, of course i want to go to olympic trials like why would right. you do that? and she was like i'm so sorry I, i'm sorry and i just remember this like moment i laugh about it now but it's terrible right obviously but, yeah i got to olympic trials feeling great about myself like swimming great at this point have recovered from the meltdown in may sure. um like i felt like i was doing good in practice things like that um had some good little race pace pieces and warm-ups leading into my event and olympic trials is really stressful and i like I'm already nervous and I haven't even competed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, feel my nerves when I get um, to the pool already, like not even on a day I'm competing, just like walking into the pool. And I try to like use most of my nerves um, as something positive and turn that into like good positive energy and adrenaline and things like that. But it is like the scariest moments in my life. I swam prelims of my hundred backstroke and I did terrible. Like I added well over a second and was like seated eighth going into semifinals that night and Mm. when they only take eight into finals the next day and you need to be in top two to make the Olympic team I was like oh my god this is not going well yeah, and it's an uphill
0: battle from here.
1: <laughs> yeah. It wasn't because I didn't like I was out of shape or not swimming well. I just like got too nervous and overswam my race. And this is when I'm so grateful for an amazing coach who literally sat with me in the lobby, reviewed all my races, reviewed my races from last year, and was like, this is what we need to do, spent the entire warm-up with me working on technique, and just was like, you need to have fun, you need to relax. And um, I say this in a lot of interviews that I do, but one of the best advices he gave me was to walk out, um, for my semi-final swim with a smile on my face because, um, it'll trick your body into thinking you're having fun. And I needed to pretend like I was at my favorite meet of all time, which is at like just a pool in Charlotte that I just love going to. And, um, for having 17,000 people watching you swimming for uh, making an Olympic team or an Olympic final, um, trials final, it's really stressful. And yeah. it, you feel like you're going to throw up like that is like hands down and I swam my semi-final swim did awesome went a best time got seated second for the next day and at least that gave me a lot of confidence so I wouldn't say it took the nerves away but at least now I have the confidence there which like sort of can calm some nerves because you're like at least I'm doing well like right. you know I just gotta right. like do what I know what to do um and I remember feeling like so nervous before um, my 100 back final because I was like, there's nothing in this world that I love more than international swimming. I love college swimming for what it is. I love club swimming, but there's like no better feeling for me than getting to put on that American flag swim cap and like getting to do that whole shebang and travel and whatever. I love, love, love that. And I'm like, what happens if I don't make it? And what's crazy is that I like was so worried about what like the residual like my residual circle was going to think of it not my family not my friends nothing like that because they get it it's so hard to make it but those like random people like teachers or like you know like different <laughs> parents who are just like have no idea that yeah. like, my whole life they're like oh kathleen's going to the olympics they have no idea how hard it is to actually like touch first or second on right. that day at olympic trials and i remember right that is stressful, um, but you just have to like sort of put that in the back of your mind and like the pressure you create needs to be from yourself. And I sort of love that about like how I see the sport of swimming and for myself. But um, I remember swimming that race and um, making it and it being like this huge like relief and joy and excitement and all the hard times I had to go through having Crohn's disease was just like that moment in time, like everything in the entire world is worth it. And I'm so proud of that um and it's just like a highlight and I also say like uh the one big trials is like the worst experience in my life and I made the team yeah so, um yeah it is like an unbelievably stressful environment because not only for yourself but like I have plenty of national team friends who go and don't make it and it's crushing mm. to watch your like peers and best friends who you think are gonna make it not and like be able to like Then be happy for you which I feel like always happens like all my friends who end up not making it and I did that year were like so excited for me but it was so sad to see like my friend's dreams get crushed in that moment doesn't mean they aren't going to go this time or another Olympics, but in that moment it's crushing.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a lot different than anything else because it's another four years and it's also another, I have to qualify for Olympic trials. I have to make it to semifinals. I have to make it to finals. I have to touch second and it's four years from now. So I don't even know where I'm going to be training. Like, Like a lot of people don't realize that they just see the same names every year and it's like well well they probably did a great thing and they probably you know this good but it it like what it does to your mental health what it does for your physical health I'm sure even like it is a lot on on one person
1: it's crazy I'm not even gonna lie like the life we live as professional athletes trying to make an Olympic team is so crazy I don't even know how I do it or how people do it but somehow um it just becomes routine um and I feel like I'm fortunate that I see so much of my swimming success in the process. Like you really need to enjoy the process because if you place like the pinnacle of your dreams of that Olympic games and mm-hmm. you make it, you're not, you would have missed all the wonderful things you did before that. And I couldn't
0: agree more. Yeah. yeah. It Absolutely. Takes so
1: much And it's so fun. There's so many things that are fun. Bef- well before the Olympic games, well after the Olympic games in the sport of swimming for me and for so many other athletes that if you're just living for like the next year or the next year, whichever it is for the Olympics, then you're going to miss out on like getting to like go to Singapore with your friends and have a training camp for worlds there, which is so right. fun, things like that.
0: Train trip was always the best. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into the 100 back in Rio and, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? prelims for the 100 back is on night two or the second day but then finals is night four so pretty quickly here comes the event that you've been training virtually your entire life for like what was the what was the last piece of advice your coach gave you before you stepped out for that for the for those races
1: to have fun i feel like that's almost always his advice for me um and to relax um i need to relax that is like my q word when i dive in the water i'm like relax relax, relax. Mm-hmm. Or else I will just like come out just like oh gotta swim fast now and like right. I to calm down. Um, but what's crazy is that like Olympic trials was so much harder mentally than the Olympic Games was. I was like at the Olympic Games and I was like oh my god I'm here wow this is crazy
0: yeah um,
1: and I surprised myself and that's even more exciting. I was seeded 14th and ended up with a silver medal. Um, which is pretty awesome story there. I went away huge best time, which like people don't realize like, okay, I dropped a half a second, but when you're at the top like that, a half a second is like, sort of a huge chunk like right now like if you're dropping halves of seconds like you're almost breaking world records and things like that mm-hmm. um and that was like pretty cool for me and I was so stunned by that I was like I don't even I don't even know how that happened and honestly <laughs> I feel like it was just because I was so much less like scared I guess and nervous because I had like accomplished the goal I'm like I am an Olympian and no one can take that away from me which is awesome um I definitely feel like the nerves did return when I was like seated first into the Olympic final. Yeah. <laughs> okay yeah trying to win a medal here like this is some big stuff I remember like being in the ready room and I had uh, a teammate who swam for Zimbabwe and she Mm. was there uh, with me and I remember like looking at her and she's like, are you okay? Like, and I was, like, my face was red. I was so nervous. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And at the Olympic games, if you're top qualifier, you walk out last and they like really take their time walking each individual athlete out. So I go in the line of eight people. to like down to me and I'm just like by myself, the last one walking out. And I was like, I do not even care what medal I get. I'm like praying God. I'm like, I don't care what medal I get. Like I just want to touch the wall like first, second or third. Like I knew that, um someone one of my main competitors who ended up winning gold um mm-hmm. the night before swam the 200 IM and so she didn't give her like full effort in the 100 back so i knew she was going to be like way closer than she was the night before cuz she had two events um and so i just was like i'm just gonna try to stay in my own lane with my own race and that's sort of great about being on your back is that i like really don't see that many <laughs> people like i see people on the turn but i'm like maybe a little bit out of the corner of my eyes but like i'm not see some
0: arms i always saw i always saw like the arms and if yeah, like, yeah.
1: you if see if like you sports, saw
0: those you knew you were close yeah, yeah.
1: Like, you know you're in the range but you're never going to be like oh i'm swimming freestyle and i'm passing this you know like how right. this- that way so i'm like sort of thankful for that um but getting a silver medal was like such an amazing experience for me and so surreal and it still feels not even real and i talk about it now and it's been almost five years um uh because it was just such a dream and so surprising which is so awesome and i think that's like the best moments ever and i remember seeing my coach um he's the first person i saw after i did my nbc interview like on deck um mm-hmm and right before I like go into this huge media zone where it's like a football length field of media right after I like swam so I'm like breathing hard but I still haven't
0: warmed down yet right
1: no I'm like literally like from the deck straight into this back zone that's called a mixed zone and I remember seeing my coach before the mixed zone and him just like picking up picking me up and hugging me and being like you are an Olympic medalist and no one will ever take that away from you I'm so proud of you and I just remember like crying and him crying and just being like one of my favorite moments um ever and yeah like what
0: was what was the text from your parents
1: Oh, there was my mom calls me boo. And she uh, yells go boo boo before all my races, like no matter if I'm like literally at the Olympic Games and stands quiet, go boo, you'll hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, boo, we're so proud of you. My parents were just like, so in shock that this is like their kid, you know, like they just like can't even believe that happening. And they get so nervous for me swimming my sister and uh, especially like can't even like watch. Because she's just like, oh wow, it's like so nervous, and um, they always say it's so hard because they want to help me and they can't because they're just like in the stands, you know, right. they like make me swim faster or help me at all. They're always like praying, I hold on and things like that. And they were just so proud of me, and I got to see them um the next day at the olympic like house i guess like our family home uh Mm. house that they have for like sponsorships and things like that and i just remember being like this is my medal and showing it to them and it just being like one of the best moments of all time
0: yeah i I can't i can't even imagine like do do you have any uh pre-race rituals that you like you have to do before a race
1: I don't even know if it's rituals, but like I always wear pearl earrings and I walk out in blue sparkle Uggs. Those are like my go tos. You're them. like
0: superstitious type of yeah. things.
1: I have like the same warm up that I do pretty much like every single meet, um, and that sort of just like gives me confidence. I've been doing it for years. Obviously, it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, and it's just great to have a routine so that like you can just like roll through the steps rather than being like, what do I do next? Like I know exactly when I want to start my lands like activation work stretching things like that I know what time I want to get in I know what time I want to get out I know what time I want to put my suit on I want to know how many minutes I want to be in the ready room for like I know everything down to like the minutes and it doesn't have to be perfect but as long as I'm in that range I'm feeling like I'm on schedule for what I need to accomplish
0: and did anything go awry in that hundred back
1: no nothing <laughs> crazy i'm like (laughs) how did that even happen like everything was like good i like i hit all my checkpoints of up was good my suit didn't rip like yeah i had a great great like i guess like lead up into that um and i just like was sort of living in that moment and uh being able to just like honestly like getting to hang out with like the two other girls who are actually it was four or three because yeah they the
0: third first. place tie yeah um, uh
1: she didn't speak English so I'm just gonna the two other girls who spoke English um just like being in that like metal holding room where we like sort of stand and wait uh was like so awesome because it sort of doesn't it does matter what if you get gold silver or bronze but at the same time it doesn't you all can't yeah. wait Olympic medal and like you're just so happy and you're happy for each other, and that just like doesn't always happy what happen when you're like competing, you're just like trying to beat everyone but in that moment you're just like i'm about to stand on an olympic podium like yes i have bronze or silver or gold but like we all just meddled at the olympics and that's pretty awesome
0: I, yeah I, it's, it's so cool to hear like i've never heard anyone say like it doesn't matter but uh, yes it does like obviously like at the end yeah. of the day the u.s cares how many golds we walk away right, with Exactly. And someone's keeping track but like in that moment that kind of goes away yeah and that's, that's just, awesome
1: like, I- I won an Olympic medal and that's pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. So your gold medal moment did come later in that meet um, alongside Lily King, Dana Volmer, and Simone Manuel in the four by 100 medley the last night of the meet. What like a lot of people think swimming is an individual sport. And by, by a lot of regards it is right. Mm-hmm. But it's these moments that it's really a team sport. What was that like for you? You've talked about like the importance of wearing the American cap, but being there with that team on the gold medal podium, hearing the national anthem, what was that whole thing like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, can't even like fathom like that that was my first olympic gold medal because it was such a special moment and getting to like share it with teammates is so different because swimming is so individual but getting to share that moment with teammates was like amazing and we won the thousandth uh, gold medal for team usa in history i remember us knowing that if we won that event we would get it um like sort of around that time because there was like no other races that were gonna like surpass that and right funny is that right after us is the men's relay, which is Michael Phelps's relay. And if we didn't get it, they would get it. And we're like, we need to get this, yeah, like, yeah. We need to get this for us. Like Michael Phelps has so many Olympic medals. We're like, so annoying. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just remember that being like the joke that we needed to take it from the boys um, so that they wouldn't get it. And um, just getting to like celebrate that moment and stand up on the podium and watch your flag be raised and get to sing your national anthem is like just just surreal. Like it literally is like, I can't even like put into words, like what it felt like, because I felt like I was like actually living a dream and remember yeah. just like so happy that my family was there and my home coach was there. Cause like getting to like celebrate with them was like pretty awesome. I remember climbing into the stands later that evening. Cause it's the last night my parents stayed around and we took a bunch of photos and um just getting to you warm like- down. With- did you warm so- down? Did you warm down? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I do not love a warm down. To the I'm like the worst warmer downer of all time, um but I will if I need to. But um, yeah. usually into the meat unless I feel like I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Um, I'm not getting in the warm down pool. Like no. I just take that suit off and I'm out of there.
0: Yep. Um, I, yeah, I'm the same yeah. way. I spent my last mile ever at Big East in 2019 and I I didn't warm down. No. I was done. I was so done. And like my yeah. body was in so much pain, yeah. but I was yeah. like, I don't and care.
1: it feels terrible. I'm not going to lie the next day, <laughs> but you know, sometimes it's worth it. Like, I mean, I spend so much, like you spend so much time being on like this strict swimming schedule and typically at a big meet when the meet's over, it's like, oh my God, like, what, what do I do now? You know, like I'm not not warming down. That's what I'm going to do. Right.
0: Right. So Uh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was was just going to say, and that's just like a great moment is when you like finish a big meet and you're like, I'm not warming down. We are taking our suits off. We're going to get milkshakes, whatever it is.
0: I love it. But like from a swimmer's perspective, right? The Olympics have to be the world's longest swim meet in terms of how many days you're there like you know but did you get a lot of downtime in between those those two key events and like what was were you training a lot or like was it was it more just like warming up warming down what was that whole process like
1: yeah um so like leading to the games we have two training camps um and then we get to tokyo i think like maybe f- or sorry not tokyo Rio, Mm -hmm. uh, five days before like I think swimming starts or five days before the Olympics starts, something like that. And so we're already there like a decent amount of time before the competition starts. And I mean, I haven't been home in like a month already, so I've already been like peace out from home, been like, right. a, like literally living in a bubble. Um, and then uh of the try or the game start. And for swimming, it's at the beginning of the games. It's pretty much like a day after the opening ceremonies or something. And it's an eight day meet and I swam day two and three and then day eight. And so I do have that chunk of time in between, but I did nothing like actually nothing. I, um, rested and made sure that I was in like the best, um, I guess, continued training a little bit, but we hold like our rest or taper, you know, but Mm -hmm. I don't really go back up. I'm just training enough to like sustain myself for a couple days. Um, and I just remember being like a lot of my friends, like who finish at some point in the meet, uh, are like going to see different matches, going to different stuff. My parents, all my parents sightseed, saw volleyball, saw sand volleyball, gymnastics, water polo diving. Like they saw everything and I literally saw nothing. I was like swimming, 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 whatever. (laughs) Um, and I it was like what's expected of you and something you're happy to do because what would feel so bad is if I finished on day eight and didn't perform for that relay. It's at that point, it's not my individual swim. It's a team swim. Right. And that's even worse than doing that on your own. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I remember, like, I have, I saw, I've seen, like, a very little of Rio. And that's okay, because I had a great experience. But, um Fast forward a summer later, and I made Worlds, which is also an eight-day meet. And I swam, like, I think almost every single day. And I actually liked swimming every day or alternating some days. I think I might have had a day off in there Mm -hmm. Um, because it just helps you stay in the meet a little bit. It's just so routine. Um, I think I swam, like, day two through eight um, with, like, some mornings off with Um, just having a final that night and things like that. And I just really um, enjoy having a fuller meet schedule. And I only went to the Olympics in the 100 backstroke. And now I swim the 100, 200 backstroke and the 200 IM. So that gives me nine swims and individual swims instead of three um, because we have prelims, semis, finals. And I much rather do that than just have like that one shot and done and then wait four days and then swim again.
0: Yeah, I, yeah that, I always was like a big fan. I hated days off because then I just got in my own head the whole time.
1: Yeah, uh, it's not like you can even do anything. Like, as I said, like, I, right. I wasn't doing anything. I was like going to the training pool, coming back, going to watch. Or sometimes I didn't go watch because it's like emotionally draining to watch your friends do great because you're like, yay. So I watched some of the finals back in the hotel and things like that. Or, or...
0: Besides the medal winning, though, and, and, and all of that, do you have a favorite memory from Rio?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, like as I say, like during the eight days, I did nothing. But, yeah, <laughs> um, I have great memories with my sweetmates. My all my sweetmates won gold medals, which is pretty incredible. I think that's I, awesome. I, I measured like whose sweet won the most in my sweet. Um, so that's pretty <laughs> cool too. Uh, and so it was really fun to have like all of us coming home at night, being like so excited, like winning medals, like you know, like that's a really great um environment to be around for sure um and then so like during the games I remember like after I won a silver medal my roommate also won a bronze medal that night and I had been training with her since I was 16 and she's like a big sis to me and we like couldn't sleep because we were so like oh my god I can't believe we won medals and Mm -hmm. we like walked to the dining hall at like 4 a.m and had like pizza and popsicles Um, and that's like a great moment that I I will literally remember for the rest of my life probably more than some of the memories that I have before after that race Um, just because that was like so special we got to share that joy and um, that was pretty awesome and then I remember like after the meet was over we went to like the team USA house and I saw my family and everything and then we all went to the beach for one day which was super fun and then just getting to be around uh, other athletes and things like that obviously there was like the whole Rio Ryan Lochte a little bit of an issue with the partying so um typically like in Olympic games when you're done is like one giant party and um, why wouldn't
0: it be right
1: yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, you put athletes who train 24-7 and then are like oh you just accomplished your main goal of your life and now you're done and you have a week left so and you're
0: in um, like, Rio de Janeiro <laughs>
1: yeah so there's always parties to go to and just like being able to sort of just like have fun and be like as in quote like normal um mm. for a hot second was pretty awesome and just getting to celebrate like our success as the team USA and because of Rio not being uh the safest like country, um it was like mandated we were in the village. Um and so we stayed in the village the whole time and I no one in Team USA I'm pretty sure stayed for closing ceremonies because it was like two weeks after I think our event ended and they were suggesting that we go out and went home. Um yeah. and I Definitely sort of wanted to go home by then because I like hadn't seen really my friends or family or anything like that in so long. Like I saw my parents at the games, but it was like a lot in passing, not a lot like of togetherness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think I went home maybe like four days after the meet ended, but I had a lot of fun in those four days and had a great time with my uh, Team USA teammates and also my like swimming friends from around the world, which just like one giant like fun time together. And that's awesome um and i think that like if i make tokyo again i would want to stay for the closing ceremonies but who knows like what my mind will be then right. um a lot of people don't just because you have been uh gone from home for so long and it's not that fun to live in a village for when you're done swimming because you just want to like be in your own place like i've been like living out of suitcases things like that
0: yeah well, it's, it's, something, it's something we're pretty used to at this point, living in bubbles or villages. If you're a professional athlete, you've been doing it for quite some time at this point. Um, but let's really quickly here, because I know I know you got to run to practice here shortly. The summer of 2018, you, I would say casually, broke the world record in the 100 meter backstroke. I, I I was actually there because that's my hometown out in Irvine. And I like, actually, I went to go watch Grant Schultz in the 400 freestyle and your 100 backstroke happened to also be that night. And I remember sitting there with my two friends being like, holy crap, she's about to, she's going to do this. Like like, you flipped and you were well under pace. So it was just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I was like, I just saw a world record casually. Were you in your head too? You were like, I just got to hold on, hold on.
1: It was like keep your arms moving keep your arms moving like that was literally like my thought process the last 15 meters because at like that point i like felt like a truck had like hit me I was like oh this is hurting real bad but um that's like one of my favorite meets probably of all time at this point it was so fun outside beautiful it was really hot um like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 90 degrees which like doesn't happen often in southern california um but I remember that 400 free because my coach was watching Katie Ledecky and I was like finishing my warm up or something. And she was under world record pace at some point, but then didn't get it. And my coach was like, the crowd needs to see a world record. And I think you can do it. And I literally was like, he literally never tells me a goal. I'm so goal oriented. Right. So, like he usually doesn't say a goal before I swim because I'm already probably there. Um, yeah. but I wasn't there. I was I was like, I want to go 58, three, which was at the time, the American record. And I was hoping uh, in the following couple of weeks, we were going to Tokyo for pan Pacific games that I'd break the world record there. Um, especially being outside swimming backstroke, it's hard to swim straight. Uh, <laughs> But hearing him give me a goal that he thought I could do and just casually said, like, you should break a world record. I was like, oh, my God, maybe I can do it. Yeah. I remember being like, OK, I can do this. And that like little boost of confidence and warm up, I think like went a mile for me pretty much. And I remember him being like, I can do this like before I like got on the blocks or got in the water and uh the first 50 I felt absolutely nothing like nothing like I was Mm. just like I feel great and I could like at that time see I was pretty far ahead because yeah you were (laughs) next to me I was like can see their splash and it was like at my like I look and it's not with me Mm. um and so I was like wow I'm doing great and I remember doing my kickouts off my second or my like wall and I remember being like I feel so good as I'm kicking underwater and then like about the last 15 meters I felt like I had just like been run over I was like man there it is and there's the thing and I just remember being like keep your arms going keep your arms going and um touching the wall and seeing that I broke the world record was like so 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 exciting and getting to have like so many of my teammates there like my college teammates my pro teammates things like that was so cool because often at like a worlds or olympics it's a clean deck so there's no team on the deck at all yeah it's pretty like just officials very very formal but like i got like rushed by all my teammates and things yeah which is like such a fun memory and getting to break a world record in the u.s is also pretty cool too
0: oh yeah that that's gotta be i loved Irvine's pool that was like one of my favorite pools and it's so funny hearing people coming from the east coast and swimming outdoors and they're like I hate backstroke outside I can't see I can't swim in a straight line like I feel like California swimmers have the advantage on the backstroke
1: for sure now that (laughs) I'm even further in like I mean I trained at Cal but right um, it's not as sunny and like a lot of time like in the morning and things like that. But now that I trained in San Diego, I am like, I can handle the outside. I'm like, I know how to swim straight. I also broke a world record swimming outside. So I'm like, it's doable. I did right. almost a lane rope during that. Right. Race, but I didn't. And that's yeah. good.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zane Grothy going like, oh, I close my eyes when I breathe on the entire 400. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Um, so a couple, I know you got to run here quickly, but a couple last questions. With as it stands today, we still have a games in this this summer of 2021 in Tokyo. However, there's still a lot of uncertainty, and there, it's not set in stone. How have you been dealing with that sort of uncertainty? Now that we have a place to train, now that those things have kind of gone by the wayside, and the initial shock of COVID has happened, but like, what is that feeling like? We still don't know.
1: I think it's a little bit hard because there is like that uncertainty level um, there in terms of what the games are going to look like, if they're going to happen um, and things like that. And I feel like I'm doing well. Um, That would be my best description. I'm doing well. It's Um, not
0: good and it's not great. So it's not (laughs) perfect.
1: I'm doing well with it. I feel like Some of my teammates are like, oh, I read no articles on if the Olympic games are happening. And I'm like on the other side of like wanting to like at least have some knowledge because if they don't happen, like I don't want this like emotional shock of like not being prepared. But at the same time, I go to practice um, every day thinking that they're happening because there's no way I could train and make an Olympic team without that mindset. Right, Just like banking really like finding that appreciation and gratitude for being at the pool which I think COVID gave so many athletes around the world not just in swimming um, and I feel like I've had that because of being on the water for Crohn's and things like that but it never helps never doesn't help to like feel that again and feel a heightened sense of that and knowing that the Olympic Games is like the pinnacle of my career um, and that I want to make the team and I want to win Olympic medals for the U.S. and it may not happen is a very scary thought and I hope that it doesn't but at the same time like I know that I'm so much more than swimming swimming and at the same time i've had an incredible journey along the way and i have so much fun every single day in practice as i'm about to head out there now Right. but it's just really like being able to turn your brain sort of off the future sometimes and focus on like what you have in front of you um and I know like I see a lot of articles and there's always a lot of talk but so much is speculation and we're not going to know like realistically we're not going to know until probably April maybe uh March and so just keeping my head sort of down in the meantime um and just trying to do my best to get better and get ahead of competition
0: well, I hope for everyone at Team USA and everyone that's training for this, that we do have a game because it's the only time everyone gets to talk about swimming and it doesn't I get,
1: know. <laughs> like roller, like I know,
0: I know. I love it. Awesome. Well, Kathleen, this has been an absolute blast. I have one last question for you that we ask all of our guests. So I can't let you not have this one. <laughs> if you were to write your autobiography today, okay. what would be the title of it and why? Oh
1: my God. Gosh, wow, that's a hard question. Okay. I would say that probably the title would be like enjoying the process. And I think that that is something I like sort of stand by. And I think like when you have adversities that you have to overcome and everyone has some level of adversity, you don't have to have a chronic illness to have adversity. Um, And everyone has that. But it's like, how do you handle adversity and how do you move past it to enjoy like the little things when sometimes it's not easy to enjoy the little things? Like it's sometimes not as enjoyable to go to practice when I don't feel good and finding that joy of still being there and finding one thing to get out of it and also just being able, I would love to be able to like share the journey and the gratitude I have for like my family, my teammates, my coaches, my doctors, you name it, because it really takes a village to raise and have an Olympian in your life.
0: (laughs) I love that. You killed that answer for saying it was a hard question. You crushed it. So uh, Kathleen, this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much and and go crush practice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep in touch.
1: All right. Bye.
0: So a big thank you to Kathleen Baker for coming on this week's show. I really had fun uh, during this interview. I loved Kathleen's super competitive attitude and kind of the whatever it takes mentality. Like it took me back to my days of swimming. And like, I, I know my friends are going to give me crap about this. But, uh, you know, I-, I I was the type of kid that sprinted in warm up and-, and thought everything, every set, every drill that we did was, was a race. And whatever it took to get better, I really wanted to do that. So it was super fun to kind of have someone on the other end of this interview have that same type of mentality. Clearly it worked out a lot better for Kathleen uh, as I'm not an Olympic gold medalist, but obviously it was such a fun interview and I wish her all the best. And I wish team USA all the best as they train for 2021 in the hopes that we do indeed have uh, Olympic games this summer. So be sure to go follow Kathleen on Instagram. I'll drop all of her social in the description of this week's podcast. Again, if you are enjoying the podcast, please feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at NormalGuyLazia so you can see snippets of this week's interview with Kathleen. That does it for all my shameless plugs. I appreciate every single one of you listening to this podcast, and I will see you all next week.